City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. You are listening to Inside the Hive on the All Hornets Podcast Network. One podcast feed with multiple shows, making sure we cover the Charlotte Hornets from every angle. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, find us on Spotify, leave us a five-star review. The All Hornets Podcast is affiliated with the Fans First Sports Podcast Group. On today's show, we're going to be touching on Steve Clifford's post-game rant around physicality, touching a little bit on Brandon Miller to see how he's stacking up against other rookies, and then finally touching base on a little bit of Amari Bailey talk for the Greensboro Swarm. Now he's had a few games down in the G League. Um, but first, Chase, before we get on to the topics, we had some Spotify rats recently. Um, this is the first time in the Spotify rat, and we had a little competition to you know, single out some people who could have the All Hornets podcast at the top of their Spotify wrapped. And it was actually really great to see that there's actually people out there who we are their their favorite show to listen to. So uh, just a quick shout out to Donovan Holmes-Lloyd and Carson Knudsen. I'm sure you'll, if you if we were top on that, you'll be listening now. Thanks to you guys. Uh, we've sorted you guys out with a t-shirt from the All Hornets podcast store, uh, which you can find the link for that in the uh, in the detail both went for the same t-shirt there from the quotable collection so uh if you if you haven't seen the store before make sure you check it out but thanks to carson thanks to donovan and thanks to all the other listeners i saw some other people on there saying that if they had spotify that it would be and all that stuff so <clears throat> overall the podcast has grown tremendously in the last year we just passed 150 episodes total um i think we had like just 
figures up across the board. So thank you if you're relatively new, just joined us this season. If you've been listening all the way back to the At The Hive days, I uh, just want to say that me and Ch- Chase appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate it very much. Donovan, Carson, anybody that makes us a part of their commute to work, their routine, doing chores at home, whatever it may be, all the growth and rise in listenership that we've had over the last couple of years is because of you guys. So James and I very much appreciate it. Absolutely. And also, we are growing on YouTube slowly as well. We have over 50 subscribers now, which is pretty good considering all I do is just upload the straight video to YouTube. Um <laughs> Uh, look, I love. I would love to be able to do more fancy YouTube things with this. Uh, I'm not a YouTuber. Um, if only we had someone who worked for the podcast network who does. Oh, wait, we do. But I need to tap into Sam Moore, um, Sam Dracula, that is. But look, thanks to everyone if you're watching on YouTube. We appreciate you on there as well. But Chase, let's get to it here. Um, the Charlotte Hornets. Last time we spoke, they've won a game. They've lost a game. They beat Brooklyn. Obviously, then they lost to the New York Knicks. Just in the most typical, like, Charlotte Hornet fashion, uh, they, they go out and put season-low 91 points against the Knicks and then come out with a 129-point effort two nights later, which set all, like, a record, I think, for uh, shooting 50, 40, 100% from the free-throw line with a certain number of threes made. Like, it was a offensive, efficient night of history in the NBA. And they do those two things back-to-back. And I think that just sums up the Charlotte Hornets really well. Like, you just never know with this team what you ever to expect going into any night. There is no identity. It is literally, you could have anything. You just never know. And with how often that players have fluctuated in and out of the lineup over the last two seasons, too, that just adds to that. Like, Terry Rozier comes back, and I'm not saying anybody really expected him to like have to work back into the lineup for like two weeks. Cause he only missed like a little bit under a month, but like he looks like he's just been playing through his entire injury and has been developing a rhythm all season long. He stepped into LaMelo's point guard shoes with no hesitation at all. He looks great. Like facilitating the offense has racked up a whole bunch of assists as like a pick and roll ball handler transition passer and all that stuff. So yeah, I mean, it is, a, a true mystery what you're going to see from this team on a nightly basis. But I mean, it hasn't all been good, but at least over the last like couple weeks or so, like basically since they beat Boston, like they have been winning games slightly more often playing better basketball, at least on one end of the court. So it is, things are turning up here, even with LaMelo out surprisingly. Yeah. Um, but Despite the more competitive games, I think it's safe to say that Steve Clifford is still not happy with how this team is performing, Definitely especially <laughs> on the defensive end. Uh, the last two games, they've given up 128 points to Brooklyn, 123 points to Minnesota, who is missing uh, Anthony Edwards in this one, obviously, and Jaden uh, McDaniels, two two big misses. And this has just been a theme, right? That in fact, What was the lowest they've held opponents to? They the lowest they've held them to. Oh my gosh, the last time they held opponent to under 112 points was the 15th of November against the Miami Heat. Um, so that just tells you how bad the Charlotte Hornets defense have been. And and for some of you, you might have seen the rant. Some of you might have not. We don't assume you have. So I've just taken a few quotes uh, from this six seven minute ramble here, where Steve Clifford took no questions in his post game press conference. And I'm going to share a couple of the quotes here. And then me and Chase are going to discuss some of our thoughts. So um, a few of the quotes around the, the physicality and defense. 
Uh, he said, we played hard. We played with good energy. If you do three things in this league well, I'm talking defensively, which our struggle obviously is. If you can defend without fouling, which takes discipline and technique, and I would dare to say outside of two or three other teams, nobody works in it more or talks about it more than we do. If you run back in defense every time, which takes zero talent, there is nothing that takes less talent in basketball than running back on defense. Uh, another quote I want to put in here, which he talked about defensively, we might be last or 29th, something like that, because of those things. And those things, to me, you can clean up in one day. We've done it enough. We've worked on it enough. And that's what we've got to get to. He did then go on to say, I'm the one who's in charge of that. So I'm not blaming the players. I'm just telling you where we're at. The coach is in charge of those areas. The coach, the team, leaders. That's the way the NBA works. I need help too. But if we get to that, we're going to have a chance to take off here, be, take off here and be really good. And if we don't, there's going to be more lights like this where it's fun to watch, but people watch us and say, boy, they're doing a good job on offense, but they're going nowhere, just like I do when I watch teams. And the, the funny quote, I think the, the best one where it's just talked about a little bit, he said, every year there's one or two teams that are just going to go all in on trying to play offense. They're not physical. They don't do all the dirty things. They don't want to do the tough things. And they get to either the playoffs or the play-in, and they get their ass kicked because it doesn't work in our league. Uh, I feel like that might be a little bit of a, a sub-tweet to the pre-Charlotte Hornet Clifford era there. Uh, yeah. Back-to-back play-in blowout <laughs> defeats to James Borrego. CC James Borrego, I think, is what he's saying there. But, I mean, Chase, we talked about this exact issue on our last podcast, right? We, when we were talking about what this team needs going forward, and we said they need a, a tough MFA, and they need defense and toughness, and... It's not a secret, right? Everyone knows what this team is missing, what it needs. What What did you make of the Steve Clifford rant? Yeah, so I mean, it's a very smooth transition from the end of our last podcast into the beginning of this one because it's literally the exact same topic. Like, the Hornets right now just have nobody that is assertive, really, uh, especially defensively. Offensively, that's not a problem, as Clifford has noted himself and as we've seen over the last couple of weeks. But defensively, there's nobody that's just going to like take up and be like, we are getting our asses beat right now. We haven't gotten a stop in, you know, a minute, two minutes, whatever it is. It's time for us to lock in and get some stops so we can actually start chipping away at whatever deficit we have or pulling away and building a bigger lead than the one that they have in that moment. They just don't have somebody like that. Like they have leaders, they have players that can like lead by example and Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, like, but they just don't have somebody that does that on the defensive end. And that is like a very specific skill set or like player that can fill that type of role for you. But every good team has it. Like it's hard to find, but every single good team has it. And several. Like, that's the re- several. Yeah, right. And that, and that's the reality of the NBA with like how talented it is and how few roster spots there are. Like you need to fill them out with the exact right players. And if you want to be successful on both ends and the Hornets just don't have that right now, it's, it's like very, it's very simple. Like I'm not saying they can't get there because obviously they have tons of athletes and players with positional size and just extremely talented guys, but talent doesn't get you very far in this league yeah. as we've seen time and time again. But you talk about like athletes, positional size, that that's like, that is not what this team, you talk about JT Thor. He's the perfect example of this. He's long. He's pretty athletic. He's got like a, you know, a big wingspan. He looks freakishly long out there. But JT Thor is like allergic to contact on either end. 
And this is what it feels like the Charlotte Hornets are filled up. And you say they don't have those players right now, and it's a problem right now. I'm going to read you this quote. A lack of physicality, presence, and pride about getting a rebound out there. We didn't deserve to win tonight. Very disappointing. You can't teach pride and physicality. Our guys have to figure that out. If they want to win a game, if we want to win a game, they have to get rebound. That's the bottom line. It isn't tricky. We could do 20 minutes of rebounding drills, but in the end, they have to have pride about rebounding the ball. Do you know when that quote was from, Chase? 2020. Yeah, I'm going to say a really long time ago. (laughs) We're talking three years ago. James Borrego is saying the same shit that Steve Clifford is talking about right now. And everyone at the time is going, oh, the Hornets just need a center. They just need, like, you know, a big, and then it will solve everything. Well, you've got 7-2 Mark Williams now who is blocking shots. And I can assure you, it is not solving everything. And I think for a long time, Hornets, it's classic. You, You pin your hopes on that thing you don't have without actually looking at what you do have and going, the, this problem, yes, it can be helped by additions, but also this group that we have here, there are like built-in systemic issues. And this Hornets core, how, how many players on this team would you describe playing with good level of physicality? How many? One, I've, I think. Pro- I think one. one. Yeah. Who would that be? Terry Rozier probably would be my guess. I get you. Brandon Miller might be getting there, and I think he will be that guy, but he just hasn't played enough games to be that type of leader and like on the court defensively as a 20 year old rookie number two overall pick. That's kind of hard. I really think it's just Terry is the only buddy that like, or the only player that really plays with like their heart on their sleeve or whatever cliche well, type I, of thing you want to use. I, yeah, I'm not even saying like play with a passion and emotion because I would agree with Terry. I'm talking like plays in a manner that that they are able to physically dominate their opponent, right? They, they, oh, yeah. They, with that, like, physical strength, hustle, that side of things, like, they make Pete guys feel them. That's what I'm Oh, yeah, about. there's there's nobody that does physical. that. That Terry well, is unfortunately too small to do that, I think. But. Yeah, exactly. That's I mean, I've got Nick Richards, all right? He has fours. He gets a lot of offensive rebound, like, fouls and moving screens. But, like, Nick is, like, thick, strong, He's a pain, like he gets fouled, I think, more than anyone in the NBA. He was like had the highest foul rate in the NBA last year. I had Nick Richards. Like Cody Martin, when he plays, I think can bring that yeah, at times, true. but he's almost a forgotten guy. Sure. And I th- I think Miles Bridges could do it, probably more on the offensive end, like bullies people more than defensively. But you're talking about one or two players, and even then, two of those guys are like backups who are probably never playing more than 20 minutes a night. So your core of Lamella Ball, Brandon Miller, Mark Williams, physicality, strength, you know, aggression, being that aggressive, like they are things that you would describe all those guys like pretty low down. And I just don't know, Chase, how the Charlotte Hornets solve this with their current core. I, I don't see how there is any way unless you rip everything down, which I don't think they're going to do. And I don't think they should do because there's other teams out there with skill-based players like that. But they need to build extremely carefully around these players. And so far, I feel like they've just been drafting talent, 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 talent without looking at how it fits together. And that's how we've now gotten an issue where there is a a massive glaring hole of weakness running right through the center of this team. And 
in the moment when they drafted those players for talent, like when the everybody remembers the Mitch quote when James Booknight was picked, our phone was ringing off the hook. We've never gotten this many trade offers for an 11th overall pick. That's all fine and good. But if you're not going to give these players a very plausible path to minutes to work out these types of flaws or issues that they may have coming into it, they're never going to go away. So what happens when a player plays extremely sparingly in his first two years or only plays in the G League, which doesn't necessarily emphasize like the little things, quote unquote, that you'd want to see from somebody defensively that the Hornets don't do. Like they come in and they just can't do those things. They have to rely on their talent because that's what they had done. And until then, they haven't been able to develop anything or gain any sort of rhythm to be able to do other things. So, I mean, it doesn't necessarily surprise me now looking back on it that like so many of these players, like you said, are just like end of bench guys, not anybody that really projects to be playing like heavy minutes. And those, that's where you need that type of skill set that's going to be like a lockdown physical defender with toughness and smarts and instincts is among your best players, not like your accentuating role players that are like the seventh, eighth, ninth yeah. guys in your rotation. I mean, do you think physicality, playing with physicality, and I guess this is hard, right? When we, this isn't just talking about strength. This isn't just what you can lift in the weight room. This is something like it's much more nuanced and complex than that. It's like as soon as you hit a body, when you run through a screen, when you set a screen, when you're boxing out, like when you're driving to the late, it's, it's every aspect of like, can you move people? Can you be moved? Because at the minute, what the Charlotte Hornets try and do, they, they know they're getting bullied. They know they get they, they viewed as pushovers. So they try and like fight back. But by doing that, because they just don't have the ability to do it within the rules, they just end up mounting on fouls. And that what happens, right? People like, you know, oh, I know I've given up three offensive rebounds. I need to grab this guy so I don't give up a fourth. And then you pick up a foul. And there's little, several people, Mark Williams, PJ Washington, definitely are guilty of, they're trying to do the right thing by like being more physical back, but they just don't have it within their like intuition skill set to be able to do it in a way that is legal and isn't going to get called. And I just don't know. Can you teach physicality, Chase? Is this something you think you can really develop as a draft prospect? Because I'm just, I'm just not sold. I think, I think if you grow up and you struggle with physicality before you get into the NBA, I just don't know how you're ever gonna excel in that area when you get into the league with the biggest, strongest guys, basically in the in the NBA, like in the world, in their peak age. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I would not think, or at least myself, define that as something that you can like really improve on it's different when you're somebody that's like like Wemby or Chet Holmgren that's just like really skinny but big and plays aggressively and is like tough around the basket and seeks contact and whatever but like if you're just someone that's skinny and doesn't do those things then you're even if you no matter how strong you get you can fill out your frame and be as you know have as broad of shoulders or strong through your core as you would like like that physicality like going straight up on a contest and not reaching at all and trying to foul or poke the ball away just straight up and taking whatever result lives with it giving that contact that the offensive player is trying to initiate with you like that is something that is just like it's like an innate instinctual reaction like I don't think that that's something you can teach in teach into a player like maybe it could it can come out when someone like like I said is like thinner when they're younger and then gets stronger and improves on that type of thing it gets to show it more just because they're more physically capable but yeah somebody that doesn't show it at all at a lower level it's very tough for me to think that they're going to do it at the highest level in the world against some of the best athletes that planet earth has to offer. 
And I know what people will be saying, right? Okay, then in free agency, we need to go out and sign a guy, right? PJ Tucker, let's just call it a type of PJ Tucker. Or the trade deadline, we need to get a guy in here, the Udonis has some type, who can preach toughness, be a culture setter for the team, show guys how to do it, go out there, be a protector, all that stuff. I, I agree they probably do need to do that. They need to find some way to add it to the roster because it's not currently on here. But equally... That only like one of five guys on the team, that one person cannot make up for everywhere else. It's not as simple as that. You look at like Boston, you look at uh, the Clippers, like you look at Philadelphia, they've got multiple guys who all exhibit that. And that's why like coaches love it when your best player is also like your toughest player, you know, your Jimmy Butler type, because that like really does set in amongst the team. And then it's easier to build around. You're not having to cater around your star guy. Like James, we saw James Harden in Houston for years had to like Clint Capella around him, PJ Tucker around him, Trevor Ariza around him. Like either they had to surround him with those kind of guys because he was just didn't have that level of physicality. Uh, so yes, the Hornets need to go out and add that player, but that is not solving the whole issue here. And Lamelo Ball, Brandon Miller are going to be on this team for the next five years going forward. They are both not like contact averse players brandon miller less so than lamella ball but they are never going to be guys who physically dominate another player so the charlotte hornets have to find a way they really do mark williams has to evolve in that way and strength will will be part of it especially for mark but it's a much more complex thing than that and it needs to be instilled across the roster and this is what steve clifford is like good at coaching right and the, he's struggling with it. I I don't know. Like Emo Doker is probably a good example of a guy who's managed to do it in Boston and in Houston. Like there seems to be a notable shift in like the team um, in terms of how they approach the game. But that just has to be goal number one here because like all the other stuff, how many threes you hit, all that, it basically doesn't matter. And Steve Clifford said as much. If you can't just do the the hard things, the little stuff, rebounding, transition defense, all that stuff then all the fancy stuff, you'll have great nights like we had in Brooklyn, but it will not be consistent winning. So I, I don't know what the what the answer is here, Chase. This is a systemic issue. I, I don't have a solution. It's not just trade for player X or Y. It is way more complex than that. And I think whoever takes over this front office, they're going to have a job in the hand to try and navigate this. Okay. Uh, anything else on physicality? I don't think so. And I think we got all of our most passionate speech out at the end of our last episode anyway. So we can keep firing away here. Okay. Well, let's move on to part two of our episode today. Um, Brandon Miller. And you can see in the title there, why is nobody talking about Brandon Miller? Um, he's been pretty exceptional as a rookie, coming off of in and out of ankle sprains, starting, not starting. Like he's had... It's not exactly been a consistent role for him. He's clearly playing a little bit hurt. He's clearly playing with a revolving cast around him. All while he's been remarkably consistent for a rookie. Like it's one thing you probably can't say about many rookies, but I, I went through and I looked through some NBA rookie rankings for this. Uh, NBA.com has him fifth, CBS third, Sports Illustrated has him fourth, The Athletic has him fourth, The Ringer has him sixth. Um He's pretty clearly been there, I think, like consensus, a top three to four rookie in the class. And 
let's just put it this way. This is a class that also includes Chet Holmgren. So you can say that he's the number two overall pick. He's been a disappointment. But really, Chet has had another year. And so really, like from those purposes, he's the third overall pick in some respects. So he's right where he should be. Um, we talked about Brandon Miller after a couple of weeks. And we talked about how it's going to change. Defense is going to start taking stuff away from him. And, the, you know, there's going to be a growth and a learning period. I have to say, I haven't really noticed too much of that yet. He has adapted pretty damn well on the fly. Yeah, he really has. And the one thing that stood out to me over the last like week or so, especially when he's been starting at the two, nonetheless, with Lamelo injured, where he's looked very good, I think, on both ends of the court. Uh, he's developed a ton as like a passer or just pick and roll ball handler, playmaker. That seems like when he was, you know, early on in the year, just getting his feet wet in the NBA was kind of just trying to get himself settled by just putting the ball in the hoop, doing what he knows how to do best, starting to iron out his shot a little bit. I, I think he was at, like, what, like 7% or something crazy like that through the first week of the season. He's now up to 38%. So he has been on fire in the last, like, really, like, the last, like, month plus almost. It, it's just a, a long-range shooter, great play, ball handler and playmaker for his position. His assists have gone up over the last, like, 10 games or so with his turnover numbers and usage rate or turnover numbers staying the same and the usage rate also going up. So yeah. with more opportunity, with more reps, he's just doing more. Like he's not getting any less efficient. He's just scaling up step slowly and steadily, but he's doing it very well and very efficiently so far. So, I mean, the, the NBA Kia rookie ladder, I believe has him as the fifth best rookie in the class right now. Uh, like, to me, like that doesn't. You're right that it does bump it down a little bit with Chet, but like it just it's just not going to do it justice because he's been so good and this is such a good class that, like, it, for the Hornets, I really don't know if they could have asked for like a much better start unless he was going to come in and just be like Luka Doncic, which would be a tall ask. So, very impressive last couple of weeks from Brandon Miller. I mean, I would say outside of Lamelo Ball, he's had the most impressive rookie season I've seen from a Charlotte Hornet. Rookie. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I agree. You know, he has been absolutely exceptional. Just look, the defense, he has been over aggressive on defense. He's picked up quite a lot of fouls, reaching in, like some like poor closeouts. There's absolutely some stuff he needs to clean up in that end, but you can still see like the IQ and the high effort. It all comes from a good place rather than from like a lazy place. It's not that he's out of position, it's that he's just trying to like make a big play. Um, so the, the defense, I feel like he has got exposed a little bit more than maybe in the first week or two in the season. And I think that's partially matchup wise. He's had some, some tougher matchups so far and they keep putting him on all these primary scoring options. But like you said, his, his usage is up to, I think 18 and a half percent, uh, from 17%. It was for like the first half of the season. Um, and just like the shooting splits just project to be really damn good as a rookie. I mean, this is a NBA starters this season who have the same shooting stats as Brandon Miller in terms of from the mid range from three. Uh, and these are all like above like his, his thresholds. Basically these are the players who, who currently match his shooting splits who start in the NBA. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Duncan Robinson, Michael Beasley, Aileen Johnson for the Hawks, by the way, and D'Angelo Russell. Uh, that is a good company. And all those guys, apart from Jalen Johnson, who's almost kind of a similar rookie in some ways, are all like multi-year, like some of those are the best shooters and players in the NBA. And Brandon Miller's shooting splits are right up there on a team that has struggled to generate good looks in the first two weeks of the season. 
uh, playing in the NBA for the first time. I mean, my excitement for this kid is uh, is just absolutely off the roof. I think he is going to be people talk about Chris Middleton being his peak. I like. I think it's like his floor. I think he is going to be multi-time All Star. Um, if he is just this good this early with his this IQ that size, when he gets stronger, it's going to be a real problem. He's already learning how to pick up fouls. I posted a little video the other day where <clears throat> he's learning how to get those NBA foul calls already. Um, I just can't hold back how positively I feel about Brandon Miller, and I think he is going to be probably like the number two option on this team by next season. I think it's going to happen that quick. Um, it's going to be exciting watch, and and. I'm just confused how nobody is talking about it in the NBA media space. Like everyone loves good rookies, right? But this always happens. If Scoot Henderson was this good, might you we'd be getting podcasts, articles about it every week. And I think I saw Chris Vernon. I posted it on my Twitter the other day. Uh, you know, Chris Vernon from the Ringer said that the you know Charlotte Hornets they also listed Detroit and Toronto just like aren't interesting. They don't even have any good rookies or anything interesting. I mean, how good do you need a rookie to be, man? This is there are not many good rookies who have been this good this early while playing injured in a rotating cast in a role that is changing. I mean, right now he's averaging 14 points per game. He's shooting 60% at the rim, shooting 50% from 10 to 14 feet, and from 25 feet and beyond, he is shooting 42%. Like you re- literally cannot ask for better efficiency from a player that's still adjusting to the pace and the physicality of the NBA to be better than that on offense. Like it's just, he is the perfect like release valve and like secondary scorer, playmaker, shooter for Lamella. Like that is the exact type of shooting scoring wing that you want to pair with a player that has the type of creative playmaking and flair and cre- just overall talent that Lamelo has. So it is about as good as we can ask. I, I I think the reason that he's not being talked about is just because the Hornets have not been good, which is unfortunate. But then again, how often are teams with good rookies actually like good on a league-wide scale? So I don't know but what like, the issue is, but he's definitely not getting the credit that he deserves. I, I do feel that way. So the, have you ever heard of Google Trends? Do you know what that is? Yes, yeah. So Google Trends, for those who don't, uh, is something where you can basically see how much a person is searched for. Basically, how popular is a term or a person over a period of time. And over the last 30 days, I compared four rookies. Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, Osar Thompson, and Jaime Harkes. And what Google Trends essentially does is give each of those like different search profiles a rating based on how popular they've been on the internet. Um, and... 100 is like the most popular. So 100 would be Taylor Swift and a zero would be James Plowright. Okay, that's that's roughly your uh, trend guide right there. Um, Brandon Miller is a 24. Scoot Henderson is a 35, despite him being injured and not playing for a good period of time and being awful, which, by the way, some people say, well, because he's been bad, that's why he's got spoken about more. And there is something to that. Like bad news is sometimes more clickable news when it comes to NBA media. I get that. Um, Osar Thompson has got a ranking of 40 and Jaime Harkes has got a ranking of 20. Um, so like Scoot Henderson, Osar Thompson, both playing on teams that are as bad, if not worse than the Charlotte Hornets. And like both have just been talked about generally more than Brandon Miller. 
Um, and I know Asar's had some great games. You know, he's filled up the box scores and he's been, you know, NBA league pass darling kind of guy to watch. But Brandon Miller is contributing more to winning basketball right now. If you if you want to go down like the he doesn't affect winning that type route, Brandon Miller is like a key part of that. Whereas Asar Thompson is on a terrible Detroit team, which has won two or three games, one of which, which was against the Charlotte Hornets, where they, surprise, surprise, bullied the Charlotte Hornets in that game. Um, but it just shows, again, like, there is something here where everybody wanted Brandon Miller to fail. Everyone was clowning the Charlotte Hornets for selecting him. And he is just quietly going about his business, doing it in his very controlled, non-loud way. And people just seem to be putting their heads in the sand because they don't want to go back and like admit. Like if it was the other way around now, everyone'd be like, Brandon Miller is trash. Scoot Henderson would be, you know, what were they thinking? Blah, blah, blah. But because they have prior beliefs about Scoot Henderson, everyone's going, Well, we have to wait. Well, we have to wait, you know, the injury for Scoot. And so it just it just frustrates me that Brandon Miller isn't getting the the credit that he deserves. And like you can clown the Charlotte Hornets all you want. But you've at least got to put that thing in there that is like, but Brandon Miller, he is going to be a star. Because I'm telling you, that kid is coming. Yeah, it is really unfortunate that, you know, biases inform every aspect of NBA discourse at the national level. Or really, I guess, just any level. But yeah, I think I completely agree with you. I was one that made the Chris Chris Middleton comparison pretty frequently myself during the pre-draft process fully comfortable with being wrong with that already i've accepted it so i mean now we can only go up so very much looking forward to watching brandon miller for not only the next couple weeks with lamello out but just the rest of the year in general we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've got I've got some uh, questions here. I've, is he better than? All right. 
so so is he better than Scoot Henderson? This is like if you're trying to win a game tomorrow, you have to pick players. This isn't in how many years. Just if you're trying to win a game tomorrow, is he better than Scoot Henderson? Yep. Okay. Is he better than Bruce Brown? Ooh. Mm, no. No. Is he better Not than right Norm, Norm Norm Powell? Yes, I think so. Jo- Josh Hart. No. Jabari Smith. Mm, I don't want to be too indecisive, <laughs> so I'll go no. Kevin Herter. Oh God, these are actually really hard. No. Cam Johnson. Ugh, no. God, okay. they're so they're so close though. Like Cam Johnson, I wanted to say yes so bad, but I don't. I just don't know if I can. So those are basically the top. The, sorry, the bottom like ten to fifteen players from the Ringers top one hundred player poll. Okay, where they have their consensus rankings from across their writers. So right there, you're saying you know he's better than Norm Powell, better than Scoot Henderson. So at, like very least, and that is like you would say that he is a arguably top one hundred player in the NBA right now. I think that's almost pretty certain, pretty clear. Uh, how Scoot Henderson is in that top one hundred? It's just like you don't want to talk about holding on to priors. Holy crap. If there is yeah. not him prior him being 92nd in the ringers top 100. Um, if he is not in that top 100 by the end of the season, I'll be pretty shocked because his numbers are like almost very similar to Jabari Smith. Apart from Brandon Miller has been a little bit more efficient and Jabari Smith has been a better rebounder, but he's played more on, you know, as a, as a, as a center rather than a power forward than Brandon Miller's played more on the perimeter. So there is subtle differences there, but, yeah, I just thought he's interesting. I think he's going to be on that top 100 players before the end of the season. And if he's not, I'm going to keep calling things out and pointing it out because this guy needs to be getting the respect he deserves. People made a stink when Derek White wasn't in the top 100. Just you wait until you see if Hornets fans and what they do if Brandon Miller is in the top 100 player by the start of next season. Absolutely. Okay, before we move on to our next section, I want to talk about allhornets.com, a credential Charlotte Hornets outlet powered by Sports Illustrated. Allhornets.com aims to bring you 360-degree coverage on all things Charlotte Hornets. From breaking news, rumors, fan Q&As, in-depth analysis, allhornets.com covers it all, and nobody does it better. Okay, our last topic of the day. Amari Bailey, G League, pit stop report. Um... The Greens Swarm recently played your main Celtics twice recently. And you were able to see uh you were able to see Amari Bailey up close for the first time. Um and I'm unable to watch G League film yet. I'm working on resolving this issue. There is YouTube, they're not on YouTube anymore for some reason. It's on ESPN Plus. I can't get it in the UK. I don't have the G League on Synergy. I don't know why. I'm trying to resolve it. But in the meantime, Chase, I need you to help me because Amari Bailey has played a good set of games now. He's averaging 17 points, five rebounds, three and a half assists, 46% from the field, 21% from three. But you can only learn so much from statistics. So um, I need you to help me to understand how Amari Bailey has looked. And then I'm going to be diving into some film and I can get my own, own viewing things sorted so far. So I guess give us some overall thoughts from what you saw out of Amari Bailey in the, in the two main Celtics games. So... Overall, I think the first thing to note is that he has not started these games. He comes off the bench, which I think for a player that's younger and hasn't played in the NBA at all either, is or I guess he has, but not very much anyway, in meaningful minutes. But 
to get to see how the game develops and the pace of the game, like before you're actually out there playing, I think is going to be really beneficial to him. It seems like a bit, it's been that way, especially as a scorer so far. Uh, he's been really like one of their most impactful, I guess, players. And when he does play, he has the ball a lot. So it's definitely clear that they're, you know, continuing to funnel those like developmental reps and minutes to two-way players and players that the Hornets pick in the second round when they're down in Greensboro. Yeah, coming off the bench is interesting because I can see what you mean by like, um, you know, let let him see it. He's a younger player. Equally, they've had young players in the past: Kai Jones, JT Thor, Jalen McDaniels. Like they very rarely came off the bench, those guys. They almost always like went down to the G League and they started straight away. And I'm interested about that change. If it's because the Greens will want to try and be a little bit more competitive with with veterans this year, or whether it's because they see Amari Bailey like playing that role in the NBA, so they want to try and mirror it. I don't know. It's just interesting. I'm not seeing the Charlotte Hornets do that before. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't. Like my gut reaction is, it's a bit strange if I'm being honest. Um, I like, I just want to be able to see as much Amari Bailey as I want, but I can understand there is a there is an angle there that you could say it's it's important from a continuity development point of view. I think one way to look at it too is like, okay, he's never going to be the starting point guard for the Charlotte Hornets, right? Unless something goes completely awry, he will almost certainly never be. Not even the point guard. He will probably never be a starting guard with how small he is and the mismatches that would present next to Lamelo in the NBA. So why not just get him used to coming off the bench now, like right when he's adjusting to the league and coming, getting his feet wet and all that, rather than, you know, having him be some sort of end of bench rotation player that plays at most like 10 minutes in the NBA and then comes down and gets 33 minutes with the G league team and has the ball in his hands the entire time. And just doesn't really have much synergy between his role at both of these levels. So I think that's probably, if I had to guess, would be their thinking behind it. But I do agree with you that it's probably beneficial, especially for somebody that plays the guard position, to just get as many reps as you can possibly give them when they're in these types of situations in the G League. You you mentioned about his position. What position is he playing? Because obviously coming out of UCLA, he was billed as a point guard. Um, then in the draft combine, like, well, he played shooting guard at UCSLA, UCLA, but came out of high school as a point guard. Then in the draft combine, played point guard and actually played quite well. And then back in summer league was more off ball. So what type of role has he been playing for listeners in terms of when he's been coming off the bench? So, I mean, I think this kind of tracks with how he's bounced back and forth in positionally since high school. He's really like a classic combo guard right now he gets a fair share of the ball handler reps but he also gets chances to like attack a shifted defense or a closeout as an off-ball scorer because Terrell Brown Jr. was somebody that the Hornets signed to an exhibit 10 contract just before the season started is much more of a traditional point guard than Amari and he Terrell Brown lacks like the shiftiness and wiggle and just general like basketball talent and explosiveness athleticism that Amari has especially as a handle or ball handler and driver and he's just a little smaller too. So it's really difficult to play Amari as like the sole point guard when you have a player like that. Because Terrell Brown's also like a pretty good player for the Swarm and one of their better scorers and passers. So overall, it seems very similar to like what he was in Summer League and what his NBA role might project to be. Like if not being maybe a little more slightly skewed to, towards the two than the one, because I, I do think just with his size and the athleticism that he has, he's going to be a point guard if he hits his ceiling in the NBA. But 
right now it definitely makes sense to get him those reps as a scorer and just kind of see where he's at with his touch and his confidence, uh, especially at like the second level and from three, because he has been a very good finisher at the rim so far. Yeah, and that's something we saw in summer league. The rim finishing was really impressive. Um, one thing that we did talk about in summer league was his lack of playmaking. I think he had like one before the last game. I think he had either one or zero turnovers. Sorry, assists and like a bunch of turnovers. And I think so far he's done three and a half assists per game, but three turnovers per game. Uh, are you have you seen any more kind of playmaking from that side of him uh, so far in his minutes in this game that you saw? Or, or was it more like were those three and a half assists? Were they kind of like loud assists, or were they just oh he you know was passing the ball around and managed to get assists? Did we seen some more as a creator, uh, playmaker than we saw in some league so far? So I do think right now at least like he has been much more of like a playing within the offense type of passer than somebody that's like going to go out and create and set up a teammate or something like that. But I I do agree he has been pretty rough as a playmaker right now. And that does not seem to have changed since summer league as a pick and roll ball handler, which he gets a ton of reps as a pick and roll ball handler. Greensboro uses a lot of pick and roll in its half court offense, which makes sense given the frequency of pick and roll in the Hornets offense. Uh, Bailey has 133 offensive possessions on synergy for 39 of them. He's been a pick and roll ball handler. So a very large chunk of the total possessions that he's getting offensively are with him as a pick and roll ball handler, only scoring like a little over 0.6 points per possession, pretty pedestrian number. He has just gets a lot of like, I want to say like ugly turnovers, but just, they're just very not like technically sound passes. Like one thing I've noticed that was very specific and really stuck with me. His pocket passes are not like very crisp or accurate and they have like very little zip behind them at all. So if a big comes up and sets a screen, and like flips his hips and starts rolling to the rim. And there's that little bit of space that you have to squeeze the ball through when the defense is like playing up at the level to be able to get the ball to the big rolling to the rim. And most of the time it results in an open layup or at least a kick out pass to the corner when it is successful. But Amari gets those passes picked off a lot. Defenders like very easily just reach down and grab the ball from, you know, either before or after it bounces just very little, like, aggressiveness or sense of urgency to him as a playmaker which isn't really something you think about as a passer but it's definitely a necessary skill for a point guard to like not hesitate or not play like lackadaisically or nonchalant or anything and I want to like put those words on him that are those descriptors on him because they're pretty negative like off the off the surface but it does seem like that does seems like a shortcoming for him is just the overall like accuracy and crispness and delivery of the passes that he makes. Yeah, so it sounds like the playmaking still has a long way to go. Um, something else that also has a long way to go, looking at the, the percentages here, is three-point shooting. 21.4% on threes, two attempts per game. But interestingly, shooting 93% from the free-throw line. Um, so there's a, there seems to be a little bit of change there. But he, he kind of always looked to have a better mid-range shot in college than it did from the three-point line. That extra distance definitely seems to be a little bit more difficult for him. But... Um, yeah, the shot, kind of any very brief thoughts. I'm not expecting a full breakdown here of mechanics, but any brief thoughts on the shots still looking uncomfortable from three or is that, or does it actually look fine and the percentages just, you know, maybe it's not going in yet. Yeah. I mean, it looks the same, like mechanically pretty good for a lefty, like good rhythm and whatnot through his release. Doesn't look like something that you'd say, oh, this guy's not going to be 
an efficient three-point shooter because of the way that he shoots jumpers. I have noticed, though, most of his misses from three are long. And even one of his makes, he, like, banked it in off the backboard from above the break, which is, you know, a very rare three-point three make, I feel yeah. like. But, and I'm not sure if that's, like, him compensating for a lack of strength because he does he does jump, like, pretty far forward on jump shots from deep or just doesn't it's have It's quite mechanical, yet. I always thought, his shot. It's quite, like, set, it's, very, like, stiff elbow. And then it's almost like a set trebuchet, like, launch. Like it, it, yeah. I always thought it looked like a better set shot than an off the dribble shot, but then he shoots it better off the dribble in the mid range or did in college. Yeah, no, that was a huge strength of his game in college. And I don't know if maybe it's like he, he almost shoots. Like if you were to go to like a coaching clinic and give someone the pointers of how to shoot, yeah. but not actually show them be like elbow in hips, like hips straight up back straight, like extend out and flick your wrist over your forehead. Like, it's like that is like what he does, but it doesn't look step like natural. Yeah, it's exactly. Not fluid. It's very robotic and like planned of a uh, of a release, but he doesn't have like a ton of ugly misses though, which is a good thing. Like I feel like missing long is something you can counteract either by like just improving your touch with more reps or getting stronger. Like if that is the issue, it doesn't have like the lower body strength to generate uh, like the touch from that far away. But uh, and, and you said he had been a really good off the bounce shooter. He doesn't really take very many of them anymore. I don't. I don't know if it's like because the the other thing is that two point jumpers are highly discouraged in the G League. The G League is a very fast paced, physical like threes and layups type of league. You play in transition a lot, like slowing everything down and working your man and breaking him down and getting into a, like an elbow pull up is not a very common thing that happens at all anyway. So even if he was good at it, he probably wouldn't be doing it often, but. It doesn't seem to be a very efficient look for him right now, which is very interesting because he was never really struck me as like a superb athlete. And if he can't, if he athletically can't like get to his spots and create space and in the mid range, especially where he was most effective, that's going to be a huge problem as a scorer in the pros. But he does shoot very efficiently from the field as a whole because his rim numbers yeah. are them up. I think thing. he's 55% from the rim, which is very good for a player his size. He's not. He's not what you'd call like a classic good athlete in terms of like speed running no. and jumping, but he's the most like functional athlete. One of the most functional athletes I've seen in terms of just like a feel, uh, you know, a hang time around the rim. He's obviously mm. got really good touch and feel. And, and like, he does seem to have some functional athleticism that allows, allows him to get to his spots at times when like attacking the rim, which is just something that like, Kai Jones was an out-of-this-world athlete, but it wasn't always the most functional at times. He's almost like the polar opposite, um, so it's quite interesting. Uh, lastly, defensively, um, I thought he played with some pretty good energy in the Summer League. Is that kind of was that just new drafty shine, or is that worn off a little bit? What did you see in the defensive end from Mari? Yeah, so he's definitely an effort defender. He's not somebody that you're going to look at and be like, he doesn't fight through screens, he doesn't rotate quickly, he doesn't close out with his hand up and with like short choppy steps so he doesn't get beat. He does like all of those things, at least at the at the G League level he has so far. So he does project to be somebody that could at least like fill a role defensively. But in terms of like production-wise, in the two games that I watched, he got very mixed, redu- mixed results because I think the main thing is that size is never going to work in his favor. So he needs to be matching up with somebody that's like pretty small as well. And he doesn't have versatility as a switchable guy really at all. Cause he's only like six, three. And like you said, not like a great athlete. He's more just functional and gets around the court. Well, moves his feet. But in that first game, 
he gave up a career high 38 points to JD, not as an individual, but like him, Terrell Brown, anybody else that was guarding him. JD Davison scored 38 points in that game. Uh, he held up much better the second time around, which I think is very interesting to note because that like learning quickly and adjusting when you make a mistake mm. is something that Steve Clifford has talked about a lot in regards to Brandon Miller. If Amari Bailey has that trait as well, that bodes very, very well for him and his development. Cause obviously that's, something that's going to help him overcome any like athletic or skill shortcoming that he would have. Very interesting thing to note, I think, going forward and see if that like continues or if it was just maybe a coincidence in that game. He just happened to have a much better defensive outing the second time around. But very similar like play style defensively as he was in Summer League. But obviously now with increased reps and better competition, the results have not always been the same. I, I kind of feel similar to how I felt after some of the inters, like his his smarts and like you say his ability to adapt and learn and to understand what the other team are doing is like his basketball super skill because yeah. it's it's difficult you look at the profile of him right now not a great shooter not a like incredible like extra defender um isn't a great playmaker um so then you're like well what is it like what is he good at and it is that like finishing around the rim just like feel getting to his spots and that's really difficult because you take, you describe a lot of players like that and you go, well, how is he going to have an NBA role? And I think he will always probably be someone, even if he does make it in the NBA, who will be like a little bit unique in how he impacts the game and affects the game. Um, and that's what I think he'll be. He's not your prototypical guy. And that normally means you need a lot of faith from the, the front office. You need a lot of faith from the coaching staff because sometimes finding a right role for those people can be more challenging going forward. But Chase, we appreciate you uh, giving us uh, some Amari Bailey breakdown here. It was obviously seven games now. We've not talked about the Green Storm at all. I think we're waiting till they had a few more games under their belt. And uh, I, I like touching on these guys towards the end. Maybe we can uh, Nick Smith Jr. got signed for a game. So maybe we can touch on some of his game. Maybe next week we can do a Leaky Black at the end of one of these episodes as well. Because um, that was very useful for me, who has not had a chance to any see any G League film yet. And sure, it was very useful for all the listeners too. I have, of course, I'm glad that my many, many hours of watching G League basketball is starting to pay off here because I have seen a lot of of, of Mari Bailey I, I, this year, even though he hasn't been with the Hornets very much. I've seen quite a bit of him play. And, I mean, anybody that wants to watch these games also, GreensboroSwarm.com, NBAGLeague.com, you can find their schedule, where they're streaming and whatnot. It's usually ESPN Plus or the G League website. So if you want to watch Amari Bailey yourself, there's... There are ways to do it, so. Yeah. Um, Chase, before we get out of here, I know we're not getting too far ahead of ourselves. Um, give us one draft prospect from this year. If you said they ended up in the Hornets in 2024 draft, uh, you, I'll let you choose where about in the draft you want them to be. But if, if one guy that Hornets fans should go, keep an eye on, look at some draft film of if you want to watch some highlights on YouTube. Mm, okay, so we're going to go with a guy that's maybe between like 5 and 10 right now because the Hornets are probably sitting in that range currently. I'll give the listeners Garwi Dual from Providence. He is a 6'6", more of a lead guard, but could probably be classified as a combo as well. You want toughness, physicality, energy, intensity? That guy has it probably more than any teenage draft prospect that I've seen uh, that's not like one of the Thompson twins. That dude Didn't he punch a guy? Did he is he the one who punched a guy? Yeah, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is that, that is physicality. <laughs> after it. 
Like he plays hard and he like has a nose for the ball, like dives on the floor, does all of the little things that you want and has pretty impressive, like playmaking feel shiftiness to his handle. He can get by guys really easily, not a shooter yet, which is a pretty big issue for a guy that's going to be a guard and have the ball in his hands a lot, but the defense passing ability to get by guys and that first step quickness all there. He's going to be a almost certainly going to be a top five guy for me, unless the rest of his season goes pretty poorly, but I really, really like Garwi Dewall. Big East prospects are right up my alley too. Great style of basketball they play in that conference. So would definitely be a great fit in the Hornets organization as a whole, not much less just on the court. I'm going to go down the defense first route too. Uh, Ryan Dunn uh, out of Virginia, there we go. sophomore player. Uh, Tyler Rucker of No Ceilings, formerly been on this podcast. Uh, wrote an article called The Agent of Chaos um, and that his stocks, steel block numbers Donald. are like yeah, he is ab- absolutely off the charts and again, you want to talk about like defensive ability, toughness physicality uh, you should definitely go watch some Ryan Dunn film because it is it is shocking, the offense like similar to your guy it's going to take some time to get there, okay? But these are defensive inst- instincts that you do not see in many draft prospects. And he's a 6'8 defender who can play versatile position-wise. He's listed as a shooting guard, but is like an off-ball shot blocker that you've not seen from like a 6'8 guy. Very, very rarely. So uh, if you want to go out and look at some Ryan Dunn film, I, I definitely encourage you to do. And I think you can see the theme there in both draft prospects put forward there by me and Chase uh, for people to go watch. But... Uh, everyone, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Inside the Hive, and we'll come at you next week. Thanks, everyone.